0: Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in today to the Diana show. I am so excited to share this story with you. This is a friend of mine, Robin, and she started six years ago, something called Robin's Nest. You can find it at R-O-B-Y-N-E-S underscore nest on Instagram. And basically she's assembled this badass crew of volunteers that are on a mission to come alongside Huntington Beach's at-risk youth, Um, people who are struggling with food, uh, they don't have parental support, they need mental health care services, and basically they just need some life skills and a leg up to get going, to get set on a path of self-sufficiency and bridge the gap between being a kiddo and getting on with being a full-on human who is You know, paying for your own life and figuring out how to do life. Um, I just absolutely love this story. I loved talking to Robin because not only does she share how she did it, what inspired her, but it's such an example of how we can become inspired and figure out a way, like this is her way, but there's lots of ways that we can reach out and help. And she just sort of sets the example to all of us to find what is you know, quote unquote, our way to jump in and make the world a better place. So again, you can find her crew at R-O-B-Y-N-E-S underscore N-E-S-T. And if you ever want to reach out to volunteer, or um, they're always looking for uh, donations, um, they do everything from teaching kids how to drive, they have a food pantry, Um, they fund bus passes, they provide beds, it's just incredible. So enjoy this conversation and definitely reach out if you are so inspired. Thanks for listening. We're interested in hearing like, okay, so I remember, I remember when I knew you before any of this kind of stuff happened and you were always that person that was volunteering you were always that person that was real involved with kids. And then I remember hearing and I'm piecing this story together. So you helped me tell this part of it. But you would notice kids that were kind of falling through the cracks and they needed shoes or they needed like they just needed help. But they weren't necessarily getting the help. And that's kind of how I remember you getting your start.
1: Yes. And, and that was a little bit when I was, um, when my kids were in elementary at Smith. Um, mm-hmm. But it really kind of took off when Savannah got to Dwyer. And mm-hmm. a large part of that was because of the principal at the time, which was Dr. Smith.
0: Um, okay,
1: Really has a heart for kids and taking care of the whole kid. And him and I became friends um, just, you know, through work I did with PTA, through work I wanted to do just for the school because I didn't, want pta's craziness sometimes um Mm -hmm. but was doing stuff and you know he would be i'd be like oh let me help with that let me help with that and then it just really became apparent in those three years like the the number of students that were really like latchkey kids that really just didn't have parental support they wouldn't see their parents for weeks at a time they didn't have clean clothes they didn't have food um just a lot of those struggles. And so, you know, I helped and I know some other, you know, we got some other families and other parents that would help with that a little bit. And then when um, Savannah got to high school, I, I of course, went to the last PTA meeting of her eighth grade year to see with the high school to see what was coming. And um, there was a teacher there, Rose, Ryder, who you know was like oh we need cup of noodles for my food pantry and i was like what do we have a food pantry for and so i you know became uh friends with her and just talking with her and she kind of schooled me on the whole free and re- lunch free and reduced lunch program and our low-income students and just needs that there were in the community that i think a lot of people didn't realize and probably some still don't um for students. And um, so I was totally, you know, well, let me help whatever I can do. And then it was during that time that she had shared with me, like, no names or anything, but of the student, you know, in conversation that, you know, literally on his 18th birthday, he wa- went home and his bags were packed and his parents had thrown him out. And of course, like a lot of people's reactions to maybe when they used to first hear me talk was, oh, what's wrong with them? You know, what are they doing drugs or, you know, crimes or whatever and, and that was my first reaction and she said no she said he's a good kid he's an ab student he has a part-time job he has his own car right now he's just couch hopping and staying in his car because his parents threw him out and i was like and this is a student that's in his senior year he was in a senior year it was yeah. october. it was october yeah wow. um he the only reason the school knew was because he had come in um, to change his schedule um, so he could get more work hours in the school, found, you know, and, you know, asked Rose because Rose was kind of that go-to person in their school. And, um, you know, and I was like, well, there's got to be something. And, and as I call Orange County Handout Central, like there's, you know, there's all kinds of things around town. And, and there, are, there were a couple nonprofits who work with the 18 to 24-year-old population, but they weren't ones that were necessarily had the resources to support a student still going to high school. Mm-hmm. It was more get your GED or, hey, we'll put you up in this sober living room, you know, <sighs> Garden Grove type of thing and uh-huh. getting to school. And and I just was, like, very uh, disappointed. Um, I'll be honest was the word that came to my heart. Um, and then so then I said to Rose, well, why can't we do this? And why can't we get grants? And, and you know, and it was just there was a lot of red tape. And I just didn't realize, I'll be honest, the... Um, what it took to to have a nonprofit, what it took to necessarily be able to do that as a school district um and so you know between her and dr smith and then a great happy hour with some friends <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know it's like hey you should open your own on own nonprofit. and uh happy hour brought the the logo robin's nest and you know a couple months later we were a corporation and a couple months later we were a nonprofit. And our, our mission is to help at-risk and homeless high school students finish high school and get pat- set on a path to self-sufficiency. So we only work with the high schools because we want those kids who see the value of an education and want to do better than where they came from. We don't deal with drugs and alcohol. Uh, we will rest- re- uh, refer those students to those other nonprofits that, that serve all of Orange County, and um you know wish them the best in, in that but it's just not in my wheelhouse to deal with mm-hmm. so. um but yeah we've been around for we just celebrated our 6th anniversary in April of being a corporation and you know it's been a busy few years we've always like everybody have um you know learnings learnings to do we've had some roadblocks you know some speed bumps but you know we keep going and uh, we make it through it, but it's been, it's been an interesting six years. I've learned a lot and we have tried to just help as many as we can and, um, trying to fight the stereotypes of homelessness, especially among young people mm-hmm. who don't choose it, um, or have no <coughs> control, they choose it, but have no control over the circumstance. Mm-hmm.
0: Um. So So would you like, can you describe like a typical scenario that you see a lot with that age group? um, Generally one or both of the parents
1: are addicts Mm -hmm. um, has been our big, you know, is our biggest thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Mental health would be the second and scenario. And then the third, which we, we, this year, especially we have a lot of parents dying and there's no one else. Oh, wow. Um, So, you know, and so for those kids with, you know, that, that whose parents are addicts like those other organizations setting them up in a sober living room is not an ideal situation and not for a a student who didn't have those issues but when you have a parent that has gone through that trying to live with people who yeah they're trying to recover but it's 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 uh, a
0: re-traumatization for those kids because they already lived with it
1: yeah it's like ptsd for them you know right and um so um, yeah, so that's a lot of it is just trying to and then trying to help them through our mental health counseling, you know, heal from all that trauma and abuse, um, create boundaries, create coping skills for themselves, um, learn how to identify triggers and, and what to do with, you know, what to do when when you do when when you do see them and what um, skills you can put into place so that you are not putting yourself, um, you know, at risk of a meltdown or, or you know, whatever the. the uh, the case may be so
0: so how do you get funding for all of this because it Um, sounds like I like I'm looking at the the big tree of what Robin's Nest does and so it sounds like you've got mental health services I know you said you were teaching kids how to drive and helping them get their driver's license mm -hmm. I've heard you say stuff about how you're housing them Mm mm-hmm um, and I know it started out just like as a food pantry and like get getting kids a clean backpack or, or a fresh pair of shoes or whatever but it sounds like it's a much broader thing now so how do you get funding for all that so a lot
1: of our funding comes from individuals um, mm-hmm. we have unfortunately after COVID, our organ civic orva- organizations such as churches and you know groups like rotaries and stuff um, We've had a few that have, that we've lost for one reason or the other. Some have closed down. Um, so we get some from there. We don't get a lot of grants because we are so small. We don't serve all of orange County. So I have to rely a lot on like small foundation grants, um, which Mm -hmm. I write. So we, you know, we do get, um, some money from there. And then actually most recently we are working with UCLA, um, business academy to create a social enterprise for robin's nest Mm. so um, we can hopefully have a our own small income stream Mm -hmm. just as a backup for kind of monies that we we do anticipate losing over the next couple years due to covid i mean there's just there's so much closing down and so many people are being put in situations and including some of those that maybe have had a lot of money but they're gonna, they're moving. We have a lot of people we've lost because they've moved out of state. Um, so you know, we're we're not feeling the effects traumatically like some other nonprofits, but um, we I see them coming down the line. So I'm just trying to protect um, Robin's nest and our kids and make sure that we have funding going down in the future.
0: Mm-hmm. So, right. so do you have volunteers that like do different things? Like, do they do you have like like when a kid comes in? So say if if my kid was at risk and like something happened to me Mm -hmm. and my child got referred to robin's nest is there like an assessment team is it sort of like how the foster care system works it it kind of is there's not really a team there's
1: me right now Uh Um, i'm the only one i deal with all the kids okay so i generally um would go into the school as soon as possible as soon as the school could let me in and meet with the student and kind of go over um, what's going on, what their needs are, kind of try to ask them what their future plans are to kind of get an idea of where their, um, where their thought processes are. Uh, We get them, you know, if I explain the program to them and kind of our expectations, what we do, the rules such as no drugs and alcohol, those types mm-hmm. of things. And once they decide, yes, that's a fit for me, I can do that. I want to do that. I want your help. Um, they fill out the paperwork and we get them started. We uh, immediately I give them contact for our psychologists that we work with so that they can call and get mental health set up. If there's a housing issue, we figure out what that looks like, what we need to do, if anything. Um we determine other needs, food, clothing, educational assistance. You know, this right now, particularly with six weeks left of school, we are, um, you know, we just got referred a couple of kids, a set of twins last week, and another or two weeks ago, and another student last week. And it's like, okay, where are your grades? Are you going to graduate? Um, And so that becomes a priority, too, because a lot of times we'll get kids right at the end of senior year and and they're failing or one or two classes that they need to graduate. So we work real hard with that. We get them tutoring. We help them talk with teachers to figure out what they really need to do to be able to pass. um, So we can get that because that is part of our mission is to get them to graduate. It's such a big deal Mm -hmm. Um, for a lot of these kids. If they when they don't graduate. They never go back. I mean, I know of one student who he missed one class because he just didn't want to listen. Mm-hmm. And he has never finished high school. So we really make that a priority um, to get them finished, get that goal checked off their list. And it does just put them in a better frame of mind and a better light as far as like, okay, what's my next step now? I've done that. I have finished, right. finished school. I can do this. Sense uh, of
0: accomplishment. Yeah, it just, and sometimes that's all a kid needs is like, just give them a little hand up, you know, yeah. like give them a lift up yeah. so that they can get over that next hurdle and then show them some sort of like a plan for the next six months.
1: It is. And, you know, and like I tell them, I can't do your schoolwork. Like, you know, there's all these other things. I Yeah, can- you got to try <laughs> um the only thing you have to do right now is you need to do those assignments and even then we'll give you tutoring we'll give you whatever you need but you have to do it you have to turn it in. i can't do it for you but i can do everything else i can do housing i can do food i can do whatever you need so um we just really try to we have to put it back on them you got to do this part and then we'll move forward with you know with whatever we need so so yeah so we um that's kind of how it goes. Now, we, ha- we are growing. This Actually, these last three or four months have been spectacular. And as far as getting um, volunteers into key positions, we have a really great core group of about 12 of us now mm-hmm. um, doing different things and managing different programs, which has been a huge help for me. Uh, we are, I am. We are looking to hire a full-time case manager, though, to hopefully be able to start here in the next couple of months. Um, to take on some of these newer kids that we just got, as well as any new kids coming in
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: to just uh, alleviate some of it. Cause I, I probably have a little over 40 kids right now and it's just a lot, especially then trying to manage other, th- other parts of the business that are growing. So uh, looking forward to that, looking forward to that spectacular person. That's going to love on our kids <laughs> and, as well as me and just, you know, help, you know, help out with them and, and be that extra person and um, manage all that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so we, we do it. We have a great, great team um, going. We're looking to expand our office space because we've outgrown this office and um, have a cl- I'd love to have a classroom in near the office, but it's not quite working out yet. But I feel like something something will be on the horizon here soon and we'll be able to do that, which will be great for if we can get the Skills for Success Academy going What's that? Uh, That is our the the business I was mentioning that UCLA is working with us to create this social enterprise. Oh, okay. Yes, we want to take our life skills class. Skills for success. Skills for success Academy and just put it out to the public because Every time I post about us in our life skills academies, it never fails. I was like, oh my God, I wish my kids could go to those classes. So, you know, mm-hmm. work, to try it and see if it works. And there's nobody else around here that really offers basic life skill classes. There's a couple groups that offer financial literacy and, you know, how do you do your resume, but nobody on personal wellness or coping skills for stress. Or um, we do nutrition. We have a new class that's almost done, which is um, living, on, uh, eating on a budget which includes Mm -hmm. how to shop, how to meal prep, how to meal plan. Um, We do finance, housing and transportation, how to read a rental lease. You know, a lot of kids Mm -hmm. do that. A lot of adults don't know how to do that. So, yeah. um, So just things like that basic, you know, we're not Mm -hmm. going to be doing, oh, you know, how to get into college or how to do, you know, any of that type of stuff because there's so many groups that do it already, but there's, you know, that's great. You get into college, but you know, these five UCLA students I work with say they wish they could have taken our classes as, as they're getting ready to graduate how awful it's been because they didn't realize the skills. Like one girl saying she burnt rice. I'm like girlfriend. <laughs> anyway, I was like, oh, well come to my house and let me teach you. <laughs> yeah.
0: I was going to say, when you talk about eating on a budget, I know I've had your delicious beans several times and yeah. I I've, I've made them myself and it does not take a lot of money Yeah, to make something pretty healthy for yourself. But it's a matter of, I didn't know how to do that before you taught me. Yeah, you know, Mm -hmm. and I didn't know how to make them that good. Yeah. So yeah, just kind of spreading that confidence among other young humans in that next generation.
1: Yeah, and you know, and and we hope to offer it up to, um, to maybe even some adults that you know, want to do it, like just Mm -hmm. know them. And I, I get sometimes get more excited about the fact of helping more people of all mm-hmm. ages with some good life skills that mm-hmm. can make them more productive than even about being able to create my own revenue stream. So
0: yeah, um,
1: got to remember that that's kind of why we're doing this, but mm-hmm. um, you know, I just feel like the more productive and self-sufficient people are, you know, that's what really, um, you know, will make our community better and just make it more successful. Maybe not so much homelessness, maybe not so de- much dependency on handouts and the government and
0: mm-hmm. You know, just that's your own thing, you know, so I'm excited about it. You know, I mean, I know not everyone who's going to listen to this knows you personally, but I know you very personally, and I know (laughs) you are a very, very loving person, such a good mom, such a good heart for volunteering, but you're also a very firm and no-nonsense person, and I can't think of a better personality combination to have in something like this, because if you coddle and you're like, you know, I've seen, I, I saw that before with children that I have fostered, where a church just like overgives mm-hmm. and overgives and overgives, and they just kind of throw toys at the problem and throw clothes at the, the problem. But that's not all that's needed. You also need that firmness, which is good parenting, by the way. That's like yeah. what these kids are missing is strong parents. That firmness that comes in and says, "Hey, buddy, I can, I can show you the steps to get where you need to go, but you've got to put in effort. I can't do your schoolwork for you." And so that, that firmness is the real gold, I think, and the gift that you're able to give to people is that if you want to get along in life, you've got to be self-sufficient. And if you want to be self-sufficient, you have to put in the work. It's really on you.
1: Yeah, you're exactly right. And and Mm -hmm. it is a fine balance too. And so I, I got to make sure I'm keeping that balance because, um, you know, it's, it's hard and, you know, especially when you see the kids, they have such potential, but they're just, yeah in the deep throes of woe is me and the victim thing and it's like no we got to get out of that like okay you're not a victim anymore you're past that we're moving on we're moving on to adulthood and your own finding who you are as an individual like Mm -hmm. um and once i can get them to that yeah it does it makes a difference and you know great philosophy is we want to teach them to fish we're not just throwing them fish every day right and that's not me as a person. Um, I'm all about personal responsibility and working for it. And mm-hmm. and that's, you know, what I try to, you know, instill in them is like, you know, you will feel so much better when you've worked for this and you've made that accomplishment. Nobody did it for you. It was all your hard work and sweat, you know. right. Um, one of the things, especially kids in our housing program, that's a big deal is financial uh, you know, financial literacy and, and learning to budget and, and learning to save money and how do we save money. Um, and some of my kids that have, you know, saved fifteen twenty thousand $20,000, you know, when COVID came around, their life was good. They, you know, except for the whole mass thing and being isolated, but they didn't have to worry when they didn't have a job. They, they could still pay their rent. They still had food. You know, they had all those things and they were so thankful. And the ones that you know, just couldn't get on board with it. We're like, oh my gosh, what do I do? And of course we Mm -hmm. were there to help them out. But it was a good life lesson that this is why you prepare. You need to take care, you need to be able to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to not put yourself in those same kind of situations that you were raised in because this Mm -hmm. is what happens. Life happens and you you really have no control over it. So here's some here's some fish, but here's a fishing pole. Okay. Like you know what, you need, you need to do this, like, we're giving you the tools, we're giving you the support, we're giving you the talk week after week, you've Mm -hmm. got to buy into it, you've got to realize that, you know, this is what you need to do, we're not going to be with you for the rest of your life, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, so it was great, man, the pandemic was a great learning lesson, (laughs) I wish I could have, like, recorded stuff.
0: (laughs) Well, gosh, it's a learning lesson for all, I mean, I learned so many lessons like that myself, you know, and it's so funny, because I hear you talking about these kids that are, like, 18 or 19, and I had really, really strong parents and a really healthy home environment. And I still struggled yeah. to get up, to get motivated, to, you know, the the things that I had been taught my whole life, don't do this, don't do that, don't get involved in that I did it anyway. And that's just sort of like the age, yeah, you know, the immaturity and all that. So I think it's so incredible that, you know, you're working with that age group. That's just, I, I think that age group is incredibly challenging.
1: Yes, I will agree with you.
0: <laughs> I was not at my best at that age. I mean, I think at 25, I started saying, oh, my gosh, mom, thank you so much. Yes, now I get it. Yes, I should save my money. No, I shouldn't drink as much as I've been drinking, like all that kind of stuff. And so I really commend you for working with that age group because they, they need it, you know.
1: Yeah, and they want it. They just, you know, but it's hard for some of them. They really have been um, in um, self uh, self-care mode for years you know only they depend on themselves they're just Mm -hmm. survival mode sorry that's the word i was looking for survival mode and so trying to earn that trust to be like i'm not going to throw you under the bus i'm not going to abandon you um it takes a long time and you know we're not here just up through graduation actually my hardest work begins once they graduate high school Mm -hmm. um in helping, like I said, just build that trust, build a relationship, and showing them things, and realizing that they can trust what I'm telling them is not going to harm them or damage them or, you know, lead them down a bad path. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's um, so it's it can be challenging. You know, I've I've definitely come up against my headstrong people, and um, the whole new pot thing hasn't helped either because of course we do you no know, drugs, and they're like, well, pot's legal, and I'm like, but not in this group. So. Um, that's been a challenge and, mm-hmm. and um, I'm ch- trying to find new ways to deal with it. And, um, but at the end of the day, we just don't. And, you know, unfortunately it leaves out a lot of, a lot of great kids that could use our help. And of course I try to refer them off to the other groups and, you know, I, I can't make them go. They have to want to go. And a lot of them are like, no, I came to you. This was it. And then I just can't, can't break that. So, um, you know, so it's sad, but we, we do our best to work with every kid that comes our way and, um, and just try to get them get them going. And for the ones that have chosen to, to kind of go off on their own path, I just hope that, you know, some of the things that good things that we've told them you know, about finances, about housing, and just about themselves, that they're good people, you know, kind of stay with them, and, and somewhere in the back of their mind, so that maybe down the road, you know, they come back and ask for help, which we've always left that door open, um, or they just remember it, and they're like, you know what, I think I'm going to do it this way now. I'm going to try it this way. My way didn't work right. out, or, or, oh, I need a new way, or, oh, I need something better, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, as um, one of my volunteers says, you know, all we can do sometimes is plant seeds and just hope that they somehow get watered down the road, mm-hmm. um, is, which was kind of my life. So um, I hope that, I hope that's the case because there are, all kids are, are great kids. You know, they're just, they're products of their environment, unfortunately, sometimes, and that's not always good. So, but they never, they never plan to be in the situation that they're in or be abandoned or be abused or be neglected or put down or, you know, none of those things. So trying to guide them out of like, you know, you are worth something and you are great. You are smart. You can do this. You know, your whole life's ahead of you. How do you really want to write that story? Mm -hmm. Put it back in their hands. You know, what do you think you should do? Um, So, so there's a, there's a lot of joys, but there's a, there's a lot of struggles that come with it. And, you know, there's just days where it's like, oh, why do I do this? But, You know, sometimes it's hard to see the forest for the trees and um, I just, we keep going and we just, you know, every kid we touch, we, we
0: hope for the best and
1: pray and just do as much as we can. Do
0: you have an estimate on about how many folks you feel like you've helped? I mean, are we talking like a hundred or are we talking like a thousand or?
1: Well, so directly in Robin's Nest program, we've had about 130 kids in six years. We average about 20 kids a year. Okay. Um, However, you know, we have our food pantries out in the schools that we Mm -hmm. are open. The administration is the one that dictates who can access that. Um, And I know probably for each school, you know, there's probably generally 100 to 150 kids a year that consistently access that, you know, times eight schools. So, you know, there's those kids, then there's kids that we provide bus passes to get to school, um, you know, for the whole year, because they don't qualify for for free bus passes. But they live two or three miles, and they don't have a way to get there. So we'll provide bus passes for them. I mean, 40 bucks a month to make sure a kid gets an education is like nothing in my mind. Mm -hmm. Uh, We do things like that. And we've probably had, you know, three or four dozen kids that we've you know, done that for over the last few years. So we do a lot of like one little things to help kids out Mm -hmm. bicycles, skateboards. Yeah. Driver's license that maybe don't really qualify or don't need all of our services, but maybe they're just, they're in that low income family and they are trying to be better than, than, you know, kind of what the, the current environment is. And they just, they need that extra hand. And it's not something the school would do or can. Right. right? Mm -hmm. So so we want to be that, we're that resource for the schools. That's what we want to be is to help them, you know, mm-hmm. fill gaps in these holes with whatever it takes. Beds, we've been delivering out tons of beds this last year, you know, mainly because I think because of COVID, um, you know, families became homeless and then they get back into housing through some, you know, through a nonprofit, but then they have an empty apartment. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, if I have extra furniture, we'll give it, but I always make sure the kids, ha- you know, have a bed beds are important to me Mm -hmm. and so we've been we've probably delivered out well probably close to a dozen and a half beds
0: um Mm -hmm.
1: in school opened back up in September so well you know and again when we come across other furniture if somebody needs it we get it out to them um food we've been we've been dealing out the food this year as you can imagine so um We continue to accept donations. We started our own fresh food drive with another nonprofit in March. So every first and third Saturday of the month, we have a fresh food drive through at one of the schools. um, And it's just for the Huntington Beach High School District. Students and their families can come through and grab a box of fresh fruits, vegetables. Uh, Oftentimes we have proteins like frozen chicken breasts and frozen fish, things like that, milk, eggs. So... Um,
0: how do you think how do you think uh, because I'm thinking I'm just imagining two weekends out of the month you're out there slinging food to families and I mean all the things that go I'm thinking about all the far reach like someone has to actually go out and buy those beds and then orchestrate getting them delivered and then I'm sure there needs to be some sheets on the bed so you're probably doing that too so Mm -hmm. that's just one of the things and then I know that we talked about you know me helping people learn how to drive so you're coordinating people who will help drive and and there's so you have so much stuff going on. So I'm just wondering, like, how do you think that has affected? Like, what do you think that 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 has affected your kids seeing their mom behave like that? Well, sometimes they want to
1: become part of the program, so I'm not sure if that's a good or bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Sometimes you know they're like, how come we don't get that? I'm like, well, because you just don't like that's going. Yeah. To, you know. Um, mean, I think it has an impact. It's, you know, like they know that they're fortunate and as much as I may drive them crazy some days that, you know, they're lucky that they have two parents who care about them and enough to squawk at them and about getting homework done or making sure they learn, you know, my 14 year old can cook as well as most other people around and, you know, it's self-sufficiency and, mm-hmm. and. I want them to have those skills. It's not because I'm a mean mom and I'm not always there to cook them breakfast or, or lunch. It's, you know, it's part of life. You need to learn how to do it. And um, so I I think it's been good. Like I said, they they definitely have a, a different view of Huntington Beach than I'm sure they did years ago, um, you know, especially my daughter being older and um you know, kind of what she saw, the, the kids that were at her school and, and things like that is, you know, there's a lot of great and needy kids out there that, that don't have any support. Mm-hmm. Um, she's she's helped a lot with the kids. I, um, I know when she was 17, 18 years old, she took a couple of them out to shop to get interview clothes for me when I just had a full schedule because I had taught her, you know, I had taken her to Kohl's and I said, here's what you want to look for. And so, she took two of my girls out and did the same exact thing, went to cool. Yeah. This is what mom said you should look for. And they all came back looking the same as Savannah. So that was pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, you got to give back whatever way feels great. And maybe the work that I do is not the same work that they will do. But I hope that, you know, they will always give back to others in need, however that works for them. And I think that's the key for everybody is everybody should be giving back. You just have to find what works for you, what, what tugs at your heart. Maybe it's not my kind of kids. Maybe it's adults. Maybe it's seniors. I love my seniors too. Mm. Um, maybe it's
0: animals, whatever. Um, so, yeah, I just, I think it's such a moving and great example of, you know, growing up under watching a mother like that. I can, I'm very interested to see in 10 years, what your children decide to do because you that's how you spend your time I mean every time I talk to you that's what you're doing is volunteering or looking for volunteers or talking about how you're growing and you've been so consistent with it um you know Thomas and I just had our six-year anniversary I know and we always say we're like oh my gosh it feels like it flew by but then at the same time it feels like my whole like it feels like a lifetime so to think that you've had Robin's Nest for six years is huge yeah it's a long time I know, you I know that's a lot of work, a lot of dedication from your whole family. I'm just, I'm incredibly proud of you, girl.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. And it definitely has been a family project. My husband has schlepped stuff around for me. Oh yeah. Times, and he cares to have been asked, but, um, but he, he does <laughs> it. He sees the kids too. And yeah, he shares in my angst when I, I got ones that are driving me crazy, which does happen, you know, it's just all mm-hmm. the kids, you know, I, I, love you like my own I get frustrated with you like I do my own but at the end of the day we're still here we're not giving up Um, right and that's that's what a parent does and um so it is my kids have been great and you know and sometimes they've maybe not always had me there when they want me there but you know I'm still there I come home there's always food in the house there's you know all the things that I do as a mom you know and um still happens and and sometimes they're part of, you know, coming along. And we've had kids at our house for Christmas and Thanksgiving and Easter and 4th of July. And, you know, um, and that was really great. We don't really do that anymore. But, um, you know, it's part of it. Every kid wants to belong, you know. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's important. And, and you, you've got to help them find that, that um, family, that environment, that circle of friends. And it's hard once they leave high school. People don't realize that they high school's been their savior uh, their place they have people there even if they don't have a ton of friends it's still a safe familiar place and when high school ends you know college isn't exactly the same it is a little Mm -hmm. bit but they the teachers aren't necessarily as involved anymore like they were at high school the kids Mm -hmm. are just they're flying off in their own directions and it, it becomes a little a different level of alienation sometimes for them yeah
0: That's a good point. I hadn't really thought about that, but I remember that when I got into college, right? that I just felt lonely Yeah, I never felt lonely in high school. There was always something to do or someone to do or something to keep me busy. And even if it was an annoying teacher that was like, Diana, please stay after class. I need to talk to you about how little effort you put in on your history paper, whatever. Somebody knew my name and cared enough. Mm -hmm. But in high school, I was just like, I don't think that I'm walking by anyone who knows who I am. That's how I felt. Yeah.
1: And And I'd never
0: experienced that in my whole life.
1: Yeah. You have to put you as a person, have to put more effort into the clubs and the groups and find bits. That's not, there's not this like, and maybe some of the schools do, I don't know, but you know, for our local community college, it's not always just this, Oh, come join our club. You know, there's, it's just, it's different. It's bigger. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times too, it's because people's schedules are different. You know, it's not, everybody's not going to class at the same time. Mm-hmm. But it just—it's very different, and uh, a lot of our kids think, "Oh my God!" Once they graduate high school, it's going to be so much easier on some level, and it's going to be so much better. And they realize that it's—it's it's ten times worse, mm-hmm. and they melt down. And it's just—it's a lot of building them back up and figuring it out, and what works, mm-hmm. what doesn't work. And mm-hmm. we try to have a firm policy of you got to be in school and you got to be working. And and some try that, and they need to stop school for a little bit until they get. Their bearings back and figure out things and then they get back into school or some just need to do school for a little bit and, and not necessarily work a ton so we help them and we guide them and we coach them and work with them a lot and then they are able to get back into work and and manage school at the same time you know time management's a huge thing for these kids who you know kind of have just kind of skirted by you know doing what they need to and and it's just all worked out. And it's just different in the adult world. It really mm-hmm. is. And when they're even more so just dependent upon themselves, um,
0: it's just teaching.
1: It's a lot of teaching
0: and reminding
1: mm-hmm. and teaching, mm-hmm. minding. So,
0: yeah. And teaching, you don't ever, I mean, as any of us who have teenagers know, or children, you don't ever teach them once. No, it's like you're teaching. I'm, I tell Thomas, I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm teaching the same lesson every week to these girls. Mm-hmm. every week, like, it's the same repetitive thing. But when I look back, I was the same way. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if you ha- if you're dealing with the children who didn't have someone that would teach them the same lesson or any lesson week after week. And so that's what you're doing. Yeah. Wasn't that the coolest story you guys? I mean, I just really was inspired by how you can take something that, you know, you're just doing anyway by doing a little bit of volunteering and she's just grown it into this big thing. That's really helped reach so many people in our community. And you think about how much she has impacted people to, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's several people who are not homeless because of the work that she's put in. So I think she's incredible. Um, if you know of anyone that could benefit from these services, or you know anyone that could benefit this volunteer organization, you can find them at Robin's Nest on Instagram. So it's R-O-B-Y-N-E-S underscore Nest. And I and thank you so much for listening today. Uh, I am Diana Paquet. You can find me on Instagram at Piquet. Have a great day. Thanks for listening.